Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. That is why Gage Gabru come here, comes here, and I think that's also why, even though Mike Leach won't say it publicly, he is still the odds-on favorite to be the starting quarterback. It's kind of the same situation we're in last year. You got you can't say publicly, or even privately for that matter, you can't just tell Anthony Gordon that, well, you know, forget it, dude, you're not going to start. And even if Anthony Gordon, you know, has that inkling in his head, you know, we've all been in a situation in life where we think, you know, it's, this probably isn't going to go my way. But because you don't know for sure, you keep going and you keep trying. And this this is nothing more than a gut, and you know we abhor gut feelings around here. It's nothing more than a gut. But if everything is even, and Gage Gabrud and Anthony Gordon look the same in this offense, passing-wise, a day before the New Mexico State game, the job probably goes to Gage Gabrud. Michael Preston. I just, I don't even know why you bother with this to this show. <laughs> Actually, I do know why you bothered to listen. Uh, head coach of the women's soccer team in Washington State, Todd Schulenberger, coming up for his annual preseason visit with us. His team ranked 15th by Top Drawer Soccer uh, before the season and voted to finish fourth in the Pac-12 Conference, their highest position ever. So, never been voted to finish higher in the Pac-12 prior to a season. He'll join us for a great interview coming up in a little bit. Um... But man, yeah, last week that speculation just kind of uh, all gets thrown straight out the window, doesn't it? We just kind of open it, put it all in a box, and just throw it away. I'm thinking about just deleting the show overall so that that way it's not in the ether for forever. And then people, you know, like when I'm running for Senate one day or something, they're going to be like, you know, Mr. Preston uh, thinks this about that. Look at what he thought about some quarterback battle at his alma mater 20 years ago. Blah, 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 blah. I would never run for Senate. It seems like a horrible job to have. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I assumed, and I think most of us assumed uh, all offseason, this was Gage Gabrud's job to lose. And Mike Leach is nothing if not honest, apparently with the media now. On Sunday when he says that if Anthony Gordon, or if there were a game that day, Anthony Gordon would be the one to take the snaps. And then Theo Lawson reports that uh, Anthony Gordon's going to take two-thirds of the reps this week, this practice week. Uh, On Tuesday, it was exactly that. 26 reps in the skeleton session, or whatever that session was they do before really getting into camp. 26 reps for Gordon and 13 for Gabrud, that literally cannot be any more on the nose when it comes to two-thirds. Uh, in case you need to know what that fraction reduces down to. Uh, it, it it just... Again, I, I and everyone probably got this wrong. I don't think there was a lot of predicting that it would be Anthony Gordon being the quarterback. But I think at this point, we can be pretty comfortable in that assertion. And I realize that... This is the third show in a row we're going to be going over a quarterback battle. We're going to be going over who's starting a quarterback from Washington State on August 31st. But, I mean, God, guys, that's really what we got to talk about, right? We got to talk about this because that's that's the position. That's what's going on. It's been a battle. And, again, that was not just lip service earlier this week from Mike Leach. Anthony Gordon is now the guy. We are team visor at this point, which is just so cool. 
Am I the only one who, by the way, on NCAA 14 for the Xbox would like, every time you like created a quarterback, would give him a visor? Because visors are so cool. I think I think at some point the NCAA made a rule that you had to you you needed it for like vision correction to actually have one because there was like a spate of players just wearing them to wear them to look cool because they do they look really cool like I don't know it's pretty cool <laughs> we got a quarterback with a visor um, but I think I, I want to echo what others have said this week Jeff and Craig said it on podcast versus everyone that episode out right now as well. On the network, if you want to listen, you should listen. Um, This is a really cool story if this is what it ends up being. And at this point, in the final week of practice, without a game at the end of it, and with the media getting kicked out of practice uh, starting at the end of this week, this is really the answer we're going to have. The depth chart next Monday is not going to tell you squat, because it's going to say Anthony Gordon or Gage Gabrud or Trey Tinsley or Cameron Cooper. It might stop after Trey Tinsley, but it's going to say or next to everybody's name. The same way it did all of last season with Gardner Minshew. It's a Gardner Minshew or Trey Tinsley or Anthony Gordon. But this, this is a pretty cool story if it is Anthony Gordon. And it is now looking like it is Anthony Gordon. This is a guy who probably could have gone elsewhere. He probably could have taken his talents to another school, perhaps an FCS school or even a Division II school... And played sooner. He could have gotten that opportunity to get on the football field a lot more. And he had it last year. With that quarterback competition open with the passing of Tyler Holinsky, he he did have that opportunity last year. But it was Gardner Minshew who took it. And, I mean, again, created a story and a persona and everything else around it that we just have never seen at Washington State. It was a magical ride. And... I, I don't want to put this much pressure on him, but th- this really has the chance to not be something that special, but something close to it. He transferred here prior to the 2016 season. I, I think a lot of us forgetting how long Anthony Gordon has been here. He played just one year at City College of San Francisco, then came here redshirted in 16, and then was a sophomore in 18, a junior last year, and now he's on his redshirt senior year. And I am generally on the player's side in really any kind of transferring situation. I don't really like the power coaches, administrators, schools have over student-athletes, especially because it's hypocritical to me that really any other student out there could just transfer to another school very, very typically. I'm sure there are exceptions I'm not thinking of or don't know about, but they can typically transfer if that institution's not for them. They can leave and they can go elsewhere without any penalty. So I don't see why if student athletes want to do the same thing, it does say student and then athlete, why they should be held to a different standard than your cousin who's flunking out of his third year uh, as a general studies major. I don't see why that should be any different. But Anthony Gordon persevered through this. And again, you know, it's another thing I, you know, I, I hate the, oh, he stuck it out and he, proved uh, the you know the kids these days that that's what you got to do to start and that's what you got to do and whatever blah 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 he could have transferred a long time ago and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought you know anything bad about him there would have been hard to find an opportunity you know if he didn't think he was going to be able to find that then I would have been fine with it especially at that position there can be only one quarterback on the field at a time it's not like wide receiver running back or really frankly any other position on the field outside of kicker or punter there are multiple people who can do the job 
there is one person who can do the job of quarterback. But how cool and how awesome of a story this would be. A guy who has been in this program now for his fourth year. And at the very least, you feel confidence in a guy who has been in the air raid system for that long, right? You feel good about a guy starting who's been in this situation for so long. And yeah, he didn't win the starting job last year. But again, he lost it to a guy who came in and clearly picked it up very, 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 very quickly and was a special talent and was lucky enough to work with Hal Mummy the offseason before he got to Pullman to have a better understanding of the air raid offense and had been in that offense in high school and at least a kind of a modified one in college. So Anthony Gordon is has just been very, very patiently waiting his turn. He didn't get the fast pass for Splash Mountain, okay? He's been waiting in the two-hour line to get to the front of the ride. And I, th- I think that's part of what does make this so special, even though I said, you know, I, I, I am kind of weird with the adoration of the guy who, quote-unquote, stuck it out. It, 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 I'm not always totally comfortable with that, and I, I realize the hypocriticalness of saying that I'm very comfortable with it in this situation because Anthony Gordon is a kook and he's a starting quarterback for my football team. But there really is something to that. A guy who thought he could do it, stuck around because he knew he was going to be able to do it, and it looks like he is now doing it. Because as we've said previously, that, yeah, Mike Leach may have made this an open competition, and he may, and, and he has showed you that he is willing to just take whoever is playing best and play them. It doesn't matter who they are, where they transferred from, what their pedigree is. Whoever is playing the best will play. And that is the important thing when it comes to winning football games, obviously. You're not going to play Gage Gabrud just because he transferred here from Eastern, chose Washington State over Utah. So it, I, I think we all kind of thought that the, you know, the coaching staff doesn't bring Gage Gabrud in without that like tacit, you know, yeah, you're probably going to be the starter. Because you probably don't bring Gage Gabrud in just to be competition for Anthony Gordon or Trey Tinsley. You bring him in because you believe that he has a very, very good shot at winning the starting job. And as Jeff and Craig kind of broached the subject on their podcast earlier this week, is it different if Gage Gabrud practices in the spring? I vary a little bit from Jeff. I think it probably might be. If Gage Gabrud is completely healthy for an entire spring and gets those reps... At the very least, we're talking about this not being as evenly split. At the very least, it's making Mike Leach's decision tougher. At the very least, we're maybe not knowing anything going into the game week for New Mexico State. You're not knowing who's going to walk out on that field Saturday night on August 31st. I think it could be a very different equation if Gage Gabrud had had all 15 of those practices. But we are not ever going to know that. And at... You know, Anthony Gordon could have outperformed him there and could have done it again in the fall. But that's a variable we're just not going to ever know about. So, at the very least, what we're left with here is a pretty dang cool story about a guy who has very patiently waited in this system, has clearly enjoyed being at Washington State because he stayed here for four years without a starting spot as a quarterback. And now he's probably going to be the guy who leads his team out onto the field for the opener and is the starting quarterback for the 2019 season. And this is, you know, again, like we said, this is probably it. 
barring an injury or Anthony Gordon absolutely falling apart, this this specific week of practice, and I mean up to Saturday and Sunday night's late night practice, they released the practice schedule, they're practicing late Sunday, barring some very unforeseen thing, typically by now you want to know who your starting quarterback is. And Mike Leach has made it very, very clear that it is... Anthony Gordon, he said as much on Sunday and the way they're splitting the reps earlier this week, it makes it very obvious that he is leaning towards the fifth-year senior from the Bay Area. And I, I can be honest and say I did not see this coming whatsoever. I don't think many of us saw this coming at all. And... Gage Gabrud was that, and you know, I, I think it's because, as I said earlier, Gage Gabrud is that known commodity. We've said that on previous shows, is that he's a known commodity. You know exactly what Gage Gabrud can do when he's healthy. He was not healthy last year for Eastern, and in 2016, you saw what he can do with weapons. You saw what he can do with really good NFL quality wide receivers, which Washington State has. You saw what he could do. You know what and who Gage Gabrud is. You do not know that about Anthony Gordon. So for as excited as I am to see Anthony Gordon go out there and spin it against New Mexico State in Northern Colorado, there are nerves. They are nerves of the unknown. And I am a fan. I am not a coach. I am not a player on that team. I do not have the insight that these guys have. And frequently, a lot of times, coaches and players will blow smoke and say, no, 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 you know, no, no, how dare you? We're totally comfortable with this. No, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're totally good. This guy's the best we've ever seen. Which, you know, okay, fine. They got to say that publicly. But at least it seems like, you know, around the time Gage Gabrud was thinking about transferring to Washington State, Liam Ryan said on Twitter that they were very happy with the quarterbacks they had on the team. And it takes a lot for a player to say that unprompted in public that they're very happy with the people they have out there. So at the very least, the coaches, and you got to figure the players are pretty comfortable with it. I am still... A little on the nervous side. But again, I think it has to do with the fact that Anthony Gordon is not known. He has never started for Washington State. He's thrown something like 12 passes in a game. I, I, it could be around that. I don't even know if it is right at that number. But I know it's less than two dozen. So you're going to see brand new Anthony Gordon. This man has never played, been a starter at the FBS level before. You're going to see him against New Mexico State. It's a nice soft landing. Same against Northern Colorado. And frankly, Houston's defense isn't very good either. There's where the nerves come in. But then again, it's not really important if we're the ones who are uncomfortable with it, right? It's his coaches and his teammates. So, if they're comfortable, maybe I should be. I'll be more comfortable when I watch him throw like seven touchdowns against New Mexico State. Soccer coach Todd Schulenberger coming up next here on the Kook Center Hour. A great interview with Coach, the man in charge of the number 15 Cougs as they head into the season to play Seattle U this week and then open up in Pullman against Montana next week. Back here on the Coog Center Hour, it's our pleasure for some number of years in a row, uh, Coach Todd Schulenberger of the women's soccer team at Wazoo has been kind enough to make some time for us. Uh, Coach, I want to start things off with uh, something pretty cool uh, preseason in terms of ranking with top drawer soccer, number 15 this preseason, and you were picked 
uh, number four in the conference in the preseason poll. Uh, that's the best ever for this program if I'm doing my research correctly. How cool is that for you, your staff, and your players? It's very cool. I mean, I, I remind the girls that, you know, we're now the team that's hunted in a way, and that's okay, and the pre- pressure is a privilege, and uh, we got to be able to accept that now. And they've earned that right. It's just a ranking, but it, it's, a, it's a very nice uh, respect level that we're getting. And I told the girls, now now we got to do something about it. So we're mm-hmm. excited, um, but, we, you know, we're looking forward to getting this thing rolling on Thursday. You advanced uh, for the second straight year in the NCAA tournament last year, lost to the second-best team in the country in the Georgetown Hoyas, won nothing in the second round of the NCAAs, finished the season just outside the top 25 at number 26. What do you guys take from that 2018 campaign over to 2019? Because uh, you you ran into a very, very good team in Georgetown in that second round. Yeah, I mean, what, what we take from that is we had a little bit of adversity last year. We start off hot and rolling, and, you know, we're 10-0, and you only undefeated team left in America. We get as high as rank, I think, seventh in the country. Mm-hmm. And then we had some injuries, and we had a lot of adversity to go through. And and I wouldn't say the girls felt sorry about themselves, but it's one of these things in the Pac-12 that you got to stop the bleeding somehow. We had injuries, we had some losses, and then we found our niche to get back and the next player up. So what we learned is we have that. We know we're deeper even this year. We learn now that, you know, things are going to go – bad from time to time it's how you handle it and manage it and we got back on track um so i, I like that we've been in the term of these groups this group the last two years i like we had some pitfalls along the way mm-hmm. now we're just hoping we can line these things up the right way and, and see what we really can do now that's what we're excited about you mentioned kind of picking yourself up last year you and the 10 games in a row we rattled off to start the season to win in that five game losing streak was there one thing in particular that kind of just snapped uh, everyone out of it, so to speak, after that five-game skitter? Was it just kind of a combination of all of that? I think it was a little bit of all of it. We had, we had two ACL injuries in the Arizona State game, and Maddie yeah. Harrell was taken off on a stretcher. I think when everybody looked at each other and watched their, their friends getting caught off in the ambulance, and we had two girls in ACL, they're like, look, we got players that are down. we got injured warriors here. we got we got to get ourselves together now. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say uh, injuries and adversity – that in, but we really looked at ourselves in the mirror and said, we can't let these girls down. I mean, thank God they're not seniors. They get a chance to come back. But yeah. uh, So we, we got through that, and uh, I don't know if that's the actual defining moment, but that was something that really hit home for me. And mm-hmm. one, one of the things I tried to sell the group there about you know, moving on and helping your teammates out here and going forward. Next person up. Yep. You guys had an exhibition already against San Diego State down in Southern California. Uh, I know it's just an exhibition. It doesn't count, but 5 nothing's got to make everybody pretty happy. What did you guys take from that game? Yeah, we, we, I, I can tell you that I, I like where we're at offensively. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't do that in any soccer game all the time, that's for sure. I mean, things went in that day. We had 18 shots, five went in. And what I like the most about the game is the amount of uh, opportunities in the final third we created. Because we just know in soccer that's not always going to go down that way. But we're creating opportunities. We, mm-hmm. We're deeper, we're athletic, and we can break teams down. So that part I take away positive. I put the score aside and say, hey, we won the game. That's all that matters. We're healthy. That's all that matters. And we're still learning to get better. So, uh, you know, it, it, put it this way. Uh, you all will lose that game 5-0 going into your first game. So, I, I'll <laughs> take it as a, a bonus. And uh, we just got to get the girls back to reality and keep working hard because we know Seattle's going to be a tough opponent. Yeah, I think uh, being on your end of that is much preferable to being on the other end of that when it comes to uh, even in an exhibition game. Uh, You get Ella Dieterich back. She got a waiver from the NCAA for a sixth year of eligibility uh, to be back there between the posts for you. What kind of presence does she offer uh, this soccer team? Because, I, you know, I the superlatives on her are pretty much shattering a lot of WSU records 
with this extra year of eligibility. But what does she do for you guys mentality-wise on defense? Because just knowing somebody back there uh, who's who's so capable of stopping almost everything that's kicked at her. Yeah, you got a confident leader, number one. You got a young adult, number two. And third, most important here, she's a winner. Uh, yeah. Ella's a winner. She knows how to compete. She knows how to win. She's been there, done that at all levels of the club and, 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 the, and the, some a little bit with the national team level and now with us. So you get a confident goalkeeper back who, who has a little bit of chip on your shoulder because regardless if it's an injury, fair or not fair, you got injured and you almost got your fifth, your fourth year taken away. And she has inspirations to go play pro. So you got a hungry, motivated young adult who wants to go pro uh, who's back and has a little uh, little chip on her shoulder because number one the chip isn't because we know she's good the chip's because hey I almost lost this and you don't understand how much you miss it till you lose it and now I got a next second chance and I still can help you get my dreams together so that's awesome for her yep you get an uh, all-conference player and Morgan Weaver back as well I mean she was double digits in goal scoring last year again we could levy a lot of superlatives for her, but you know, let's let's look outside of scoring for Morgan Weaver. What's her biggest impact for this soccer team when she's on the field? She's the most fun-loving kid on that team, and, and she'll say the most random stuff. And I even said to my one uh, uh, great thank out there, volunteer Morgan, would just come over in between a session, just say something. I don't want to say bizarre, but just something like, "Did she really just say that?" And it was funny and it was good. And you're thinking. This girl doesn't even know how good she is yet because that just doesn't happen. Like, yeah. is, is Alex Morgan going to just say that in the practice? I don't know. But Morgan is she is a competitor by heart. She's a great person, a great teammate. And the girl has a smile on her face every day, which is awesome. I mean, the mm-hmm. girl, I, I don't even know if she has any stress in her life, which is great because I wouldn't consider her a soccer junkie. I consider her a great person, a great teammate, a superior athlete who's got a lot of goals here that just loves how to have fun at the same time. You mentioned Maddie Harrow earlier. She was your assist leader last year by quite a stretch. How do you replace that production uh, in terms of helping out on goals? Because I, you know, it, it's not just something that I think people slide into really easily, and you know that you kind of have that mentality of knowing where the ball needs to be uh, for your offensive players in terms of you know producing really good goal scoring opportunities. What do you guys do to kind of replace that production, or do you at all? And it's just kind of a by committee thing. I think it's a little bit of biking, maybe, but I have a, a young lady in a minute I'll tell you about. But first with Maddie, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, the thing that Maddie had the most was she's a confident young lady. Confidence was out the chart, and mm-hmm. uh, and she was a great ball striker. So she knew what she wanted knew how to get it there. Uh, Brie Alger, who has been a mid-third for us last four, is going to take her role. At the end of the day, uh, it'll be determined to see what Brie produces on the ball side with the uh, stat standpoint. But from an athlete standpoint, she's easily just as athletic as Maddie, if not maybe more. A great defender who gets forward in the same attack, and she's a natural lefty as well. So I'm excited. It's tough to lose Maddie, and I'm not saying we got the solution because you never want to take away from what Maddie had last year. It was an awesome year. Right. But Bree is really going to do her job, I feel like. And uh, if anybody in the back line outside of Makaya Menace who's back and solidified that spot this year, it's been definitely Bree Alger filling right in nicely. Speaking of defense, you guys only gave up 10 goals in your 13 games at home last year. I'm a little too far removed from college to do the quick arithmetic on the numerator and the denominator there, but it's less than one per game, I can tell you that much. What made that defense so good at home on the lower soccer field last year? Was it just something about playing in Pullman, or was it something else? No, it's not about playing in Pullman. we got a great venue, a great atmosphere. A great surface. We're confident how as any team is in, in, in this conference. And you gotta win your home games and we know that going in. Mm-hmm. So and you had a you had a Maddie and you had a Grace back there with an L slash Rachel and who was in goal at that time, Rachel 
uh, throwing it for Ellis. So we were, we were older in the back, so that was a good thing. But uh, I don't think it's anything special. We take pride in our defense. Defense, you know, the old Swiss State defense wins championships. But you know, any team that doesn't think that's crazy, and uh, it just happened that you know we were very good at home when it comes defensively, and we hope to do that this year, not only at home but on the road. 18 underclassmen on this roster, Coach. Uh, that's a heck of a lot of young players. How do you kind of manage a roster with a lot of young student-athletes? I feel like we talk about this every year that you guys have a lot of very young players, yeah. but they just transform into these great upperclassmen. So how do you, how do you manage kind of a, a roster that laden with young talent on it? Well, the example I use is we did it two years ago. We went to the Sweet 16, which has been our best year to date with any Washington State team. Mm-hmm. And we were younger then. We might have started five or six. I think we started six freshmen in the Sweet 16 game that year. That's yeah. a lot. So I use it like this, and they, they laugh, but they don't know any better yet. What are they? What are they, they don't know any <laughs> no, no, it's so, true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So um, now, with that being said, we, we've got a, a younger team correct. I mean, we have one, maybe two. Uh, freshman will start one being uh, Mackenzie Ellison out of Seattle. Their mom was a, a big stud at UW and three-time Pac-10 player of the year. We got our daughter coming here. So these kids are here. We're just as loaded, I feel like, with our recruits that came in this year, like the last two years. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think we're going to have to go, I, I say that, but starting on Friday on Thursday night, we're going to have one in there for sure, maybe two. But I think the last couple of years, we might have had two versus three and even higher, possibly. Mm-hmm. So we are young, but we're deeper. That I don't know if we're going to necessarily rely on them right out of the gate. Right. This is your fifth year um, in charge of the women's soccer team at Washington State. If, if your present self could go back and tell yourself when you took this job, like something that's going to surprise you along the way, like what would you say has been the biggest surprise in these four full years of coaching in Pullman and that you would love to go back and tell your five years ago past self that is going to really surprise you? Well, I, I hope that we were succeeding like we are now. So I'm not going to call that a surprise because I believe in these girls and I believe in us as a staff and what we do and how we mm-hmm. you know, formulate a plan and, and get these kids better. But I think the thing is uh, just watching this team grow from a, from a standpoint of we, uh, the diversity on this team, we are athletic, we are deeper, uh, we have been successful in my eyes as far as the recruiting world and getting players on the campus and staying here and committed to this program. Now, I get it. Facilities, our uh, administrators, our university, our college, now all those things play a key role here. Right. But we really elevated as far as, um, and you guys don't see this enough, but just the attention we're getting, not so much with our fans, but the recruits. So that's mm-hmm. something, because you hear the old thing, it's Washington State, who wants to go to Pullman? I'm an East Coast guy. I didn't even know where Pullman was when I lived on the East Coast. And that's where, <laughs> and I've been to, but you get out here, it's a awesome college town. It's a hidden gem in my eyes, and I feel like we're getting the right attention with the right type of people that's looking at our program right now. So mm-hmm. that would probably, I don't know, that may be a surprise, but I think it is in a whole, because I don't think every program is getting that right now. Yep. Hey, Coach Todd Schulenberger's team is ranked 15th by Top Drawer Soccer to start the season, picked 4th in the Pac-12 uh, this year, as good as they've ever been picked. And the Pac-12 is a pretty hard conference to play in. Coach, thank you so very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again for having me. Our thanks again to Coach Schulenberger. We always enjoy visiting with him before the season. He's got a stacked, stacked team there on the lower soccer field. If you guys get a chance... Friday before the opener, go see them play against the Montana Grizzlies. By the way, Michigan is coming to visit Washington State in Pullman. And I think it's the week after that. The soccer team could get a Big Ten team to come to Pullman. But apparently the football team is having new such luck in doing that. Even like 
Wisconsin. Something tells me that comeback trip is not is going to get bought out on. Don't mind the money, but oh well. Uh, first AP poll of the season released earlier this week, and I know, you know, we have misgivings with preseason polls around here. Frankly, everybody does because they're preseason polls. You haven't seen any of these teams play yet, so we're working on preconceived notions of what these teams should be and not what they are, which is not good, but... Here's I, I here's why it is very important uh, when it comes to Washington State teams like that because you can't tell me that the main reason why Washington State didn't end up in a New Year's Six Bowl last year, despite losing the Apple Cup, was because they were unranked to start the season. It took them weeks to get into the top 25. In fact, I think it was the week of the Oregon game, if I remember right. That was the first time they got into the top 25 uh in 2018 and when it takes dang near half the season to work your way into any kind of top 25 especially the ap poll uh that's not good when it comes to that you get as high as eight in the cfp rankings and then you drop after the apple cup and then rise after the alamo bowl but you know the coaches polls the coaches poll sids really fill it out they don't pay much attention the ap poll again it's not the CFP poll. We haven't seen these teams play yet, but there's at least a little more weight with this one, I would think. It is, if I recall correctly, the longest running poll. Uh, it is now that I look at the AP website. <laughs> scroll down, Preston. Just scroll down. 1936 is how old it is. They've done the preseason poll since 1950. Um... So this, it, it carries some weight. As much as I think CFP voters don't want to say that, as much as, you know, bowl committees don't want to say it, it really helps to be ranked before the season starts. And especially when it comes to, you know, postseason. It, it really, 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 really helps. Uh, so anyway, we released earlier this week, really no surprises in the top 10, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, Florida, Notre Dame, and Texas in the top 10, uh, Oregon at 11, A&M at 12, Washington at 13, Utah at 14, very crowded with the Pac-12 there, uh, between 11 and 15, Penn State at 15, Auburn 16, UCF at 17, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa from 18 to 20, then Iowa State, Syracuse, your Cougs. At 23, Nebraska at 24, and Stanford at 25. Nebraska, probably the big surprise there. I know they did close out the season well, but... Ugh. Wow. 4-18, and 18, number 24 to start the season. The hype train is real! Also helps to uh, have the pedigree that Nebraska does in this case. But I think for Washington State, uh, again, as they noted in a media release, this is just the fourth time in school history that they've been ranked to start the season. Which kind of tells you all you need to know about the history of Washington State football. <laughs> uh, this year, 17, uh, 2002 and 1952, if memory serves. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, that does tell you a lot about the history of Washington State football. But that feels like a Goldilocks ranking. Not too low. Not too high. Just about right. That feels... Just right, especially for a team that did lose its starting quarterback, 
lost its best, uh, you know, two best defensive players, one to graduation, the other to running out of eligibility to using supplements. Uh, so I, I think that that is about right. Oh, and their best running back to jumping into the draft. So I think for me, I, I you know, I don't think I've really seen a lot of consternation from Washington State fans on this one. And I we're kind of chiming in here because... We want to, frankly, uh, but that that seems about right. That 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 just about nails it. I don't think there's like disrespect there from anybody. I I kind of shot the general idea of disrespect uh, from voters who just kind of don't know Washington State football, and you you wouldn't really have a reason to, given their history. And that's part of the reason why having Mike Leach is so valuable. Uh, Washington State football is just not known well. Uh, because we've been good all the time, like a lot of these Blue Bloods have. Uh, Stanford at 25 is interesting, but again, that team's just going to be good until David Shaw retires. The other thing you'll notice about the preseason poll is that Washington State does not play a ranked team until the end of September when they play Utah, ranked 14th in the AP poll. You'll also notice uh, which division of the Pac-12 most of those teams come from. It's not the South. <laughs> Oregon, Washington, Washington State, Stanford, all getting all in the top 25 to start the season. In the South, you have Utah and Arizona State getting votes. And Arizona got one vote. Oh, and Southern Cal got a vote. Cool. Like. <laughs> awesome it's great so they don't play a ranked team until the end of september then they don't play another ranked team until the end of october when they take on oregon and then two of their last three games are against ranked teams stanford and washington so you know I, I i think in terms of difficulty the schedule again we've talked about how it's it's not really a demand overly demanding schedule before and i think next week we'll kind of go through it step by step and see what we think about each one but really you know it's outside of that game against utah and that game against oregon you should really cruise into november there's probably no reason you shouldn't be bowl eligible by then i mean you're gonna be you you should be winning every game up until that utah game you should be a, a much improved and good Arizona State team, but you should beat them, and you should beat Colorado for homecoming. So, you know, that that five, that November really is crucial and critical and hard. You're going to go to Cal, and Berkeley stuff always happens. Stanford at home, Oregon State at home, and then the Apple Cup is, you know, it's the Apple Cup. But... That, that top 25, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, you always want to get worked up about it. And fans always want to get pissed off about disrespect. But I, I just looking at that, it's just kind of nothing really jumps out as egregious to me. Washington fans will tell you Oregon being ranked 11th is egregious. But they have the best offensive line in the conference, if not one of the best in the nation. And they have Justin Herbert. And he is going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft probably. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go, you go 11 with them. Utah's defense is insane. Washington, you just kind of know they're going to replace that defense because they just are. That's how it goes. So, I, you know, I know people want to listen to podcasts for hot takes and you want to 
here that this is all wrong and whatever else but i i look at that ap poll and i just i from top to bottom like you know nebraska's really the one everybody kind of raised their eyebrows at iowa state's going to be pretty good this year wisconsin's always wisconsin michigan state i don't know but my so it's it's yeah <laughs> i was about to say mike d'antoni the uh, Rockets coach, because I always, always, always get him mixed up with the Michigan State football coach, Mark D'Antonio. Mark D'Antoni. Mark D'Antonio. I haven't had a beer all night, but you'd think I'd had a many of them. <laughs> Jesus. Again, we're going to keep this in here because we keep all the real stuff in here. We treat it like a live radio show. Ask Michael anything, but first, the Dunderhead of the Week, coming up next on the Kook Center Hour. I swear, we're going to be more coherent through that. Dunderhead of the Week time. Uh, This is not, why, I think this is a Dunderhead to anybody who disagrees with Mike Leach in this case. It is, uh, as we record this, we're like a week away from the start of the season, and Mike Leach is out here on Twitter. arguing with people about why they hate cats and we are so here for it mike leach on twitter quote i can't figure out people that hate cats how do people generate that much animosity towards cats it's just a cat how is it different than say a squirrel or a duck or a canary or question mark thank you coach like i am vociferous in my defense of cats because they are perfectly fine pets to have they are very low maintenance they are wonderful companions most of the time and you can leave them for like two days you don't gotta get a babysitter it's kind of nice you just gotta clean the litter box leave some food out and it's great it's wonderful my executive producers are cats it's awesome so my dunderhead goes to people who just like they like oh i hate cats i hate cats i hate cats Cats are fine. Cats are perfectly good pets. If you don't like cats, that's fine. You don't have to like cats. Nobody says you gotta like cats. But why do you hate cats? They serve a purpose in a home, too. Their scent keeps rodents away. Did you know that? Yeah, bet you didn't know that. Keeps rodents out of your house. Just the smell of them keeps the rodents away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, what's up with people bringing their dogs into grocery stores these days? I thought we all agreed as a society, keep dogs out of places where there is food for consumption by others who might be allergic to them. Just Apparently dogs are welcome everywhere now. Nobody told me this. Why, when I walk into the grocery store down the produce aisle, is there a dog and this woman, literally, I saw her the other day, let her put her paw, the dog put its paws up on, like, you know, the thing that holds the onions there's a word for that thing and i can't think of it right now as i usually cannot but kudos to mike leach dunderhead of the week goes to all people who hate cats they're perfectly good perfectly fine house pets i will debate you until the day is long and i tried to get one of the producers in here to meow and what do you know the one time they're quiet in their life ask michael anything time cats perfectly good animals why everybody hates me so much. I love them. Ask Michael anything time. Oh boy. No, not too much about cats. At WSU Brady 27, go Cougs. What will entail the Taste of Washington game versus Northern Colorado? Uh, season tickets went out to most people today. That's 
Taste of Washington, I don't, I assume wine and apples. A lot of that. That, and lentils. Lentils, because we are in Pullman, that, again, would be my assumption, but I, it's, yeah. I don't really know anything. They didn't really explain that very well, so we'll find out. Uh, at Su 82 Jennifer Dickinson, why did Leach seem cranky tonight after practice from our old seatmate in Section 4? Uh... He's just always cranky. <laughs> he's, he's he's out defending cats, like, to the hilt tonight. So I, I think he's in a better mood. But I think he's just always kind of cranky. I mean, that's, that's, And he's had to deal with reporters a lot of days in a row now. And he, I'm sure he's not. Hugely a big fan of that. At Jeff Harris 2012. Jeff Harris, favorite flavor of Boone's Farm. And how much do you love a Boone's Pass? Um, Fuzzy Navel's my go-to. And I, we do Boone's Pass every weekend. And I'm 31 years old. And my liver cannot handle that much sugar anymore. At Nate Cause, Nate, what is one question you want us to ask you? Hey, I like that. And the answer is, I don't really know. I kind of just count on you guys to be your normal creative self. Because everybody who listens to this show and responds to this is super creative. And I, I love it. I really love it. It's, it's awesome. Uh, more about burritos, though. Or just kind of like weird... Like, out there questions. I love those. At Jordan T. Pope. Jordan Pope, if you had to rank these stories from favorite to most favorite, what would it be? The Jason Jenks recently wrote a great article on The Athletic about uh, the quarterback room uh, under Mike Leach and some great stories. I haven't read it, and I don't have an athletic subscription, uh, truthfully. So I haven't read it, unfortunately. But if you do, I really recommend you go uh, read it. At Kelsey Preston 33, my sister, if your sister buys you Carl's... A new mommy burger. I assume Carl's Jr., which serves alcohol. Will you come visit? You're working in Southern California now. I will only come visit if it is Tommy's Burger, which is the superior fast food burger in Southern California. Fight me if you want. Uh, something fun for people to see coming home from Richland, uh, Palouse Falls. It's very fun. At the last Zoom, Max Corgi. Oh, that's great. Hot dog brat or sausage? A brat if you got sauerkraut, otherwise a hot dog. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? And I would ask uh, African or European, Mr. Tommy G, man. At Ben Wyman, Ben Wyman, if someone famous was going to play you in a movie, which actor would you choose and why? Oh, man. Who's just like a generic dude? Who just kind of seems like a generic dude who works? It, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. There you go. I feel like my sense of humor is very like Paul Rudd. That would be the one. That would be it. At Hindu Manchu Blackie, Jim Brockmeyer versus Harry Doyle. Who you got? Uh, both virulent alcoholics. Am I even using that word correctly? Virulent. 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 I'm looking it up like as we speak. Yes, there we go. Viru I am using it right. Look at me go with English. Uh, <sighs> Harry Doyle, man. That guy had to suffer through so many Cleveland Indian seasons. I've watched a couple episodes of Brock Meyer. I really like it, but I've seen Major League countless times, and it's got to be him. At Glenn Duggan. Glenn Duggan, what would last season have looked like if Mike Leach had gotten the Tennessee job? Oof. Uh, I shudder the thought, for one thing. Uh, Alex Grinch is probably the head coach, for one thing. Um, you probably don't land Gardner Minshew for another, and the offense looks entirely different, and they don't win 11 games. But then again, I said the best case scenario for last year was 8-4. So, 
at Kyle Rancourt. Kyle Rancourt, when does Cooper get the starting job? 2020, later this season? Never. He's going to be in the competition for it next year, right? I mean, that's it's, it's going to be him and Gunnar Cruz in all likelihood. I don't really see them going for another grad transfer, so my assumption would be that it's, it's going to be him or Cruz. And I would assume he has the upper hand at this point because he's been in the system longer, but lots of good things have been said about Gunnar Cruz. The, the spring game is going to be very interesting next year, next April, let's put it that way. Very interesting. At Eric the Red 7 Eric, what can Pullman and the university do to make it easier for out-of-state fans to get to town on football weekends? I've thought about this a little bit. I'd love to see more, like, airfare specials offered through Alaska Airlines. Maybe, you know, the school could help offset costs by adding a flight or two. I think that would make it easier. But, I mean, really short of a highway or anything like that and more hotels. I mean, it's just all the kind of the same suggestions. But I think something like that, something unique where... You know, like through the Alumni Association, if you were a member, you could get a discount on airline tickets and something like that. To really make it special for a once-a-year visit. Because um, I, I really think it's valuable for everybody to go back at least once a year. Or once every other year, at least. So, something like that. Game week. Next week, New Mexico State Aggies. We're going to talk about a football game, finally. Next week on the Kook Center Hour.